1: Oh that gets you excited, don't it? Love. Oh, that gets me excited. And of course, the hottest takes. I dad used to have this saying, if you don't like the series, you don't like football. Over. Well, right. say
0: I'm a pretty big football fan and I despise <laughs> the series. <thrillers>. Okay, okay. <laughs> so get ready because it's time for SPT overtime.
2: Hello and welcome back to this week's episode. A double header this week of uh, SPT Overtime. My name is Patrick. I am the host of Hockey Talk today, and we are joined in studio by our in-house Pens fan and hockey wizard, Casey Rush. Hey, how's how are you doing? I'm doing good, Casey. How are you? I am doing just fine. That's great to hear. And also joining us, you may recognize him as the former host of this podcast, the fellow Blue Jackets fan here in the arena. Once again, joining us on... Hockey talk is Dan Groen. Dan, how are we doing?
0: Pretty good. I'm, I'm happy to be back. In um, a very good hockey mood. I just went to that uh, Monsters out Monsters outdoor game last Friday. Uh, just very excited with how bad the Columbus Blue Jackets are doing right now. So I'm I'm just happy to talk hockey again.
2: Absolutely. And we <laughs> do have quite a lot to go over. We're gonna start off with a recap of the standings in each division. Then we're going to preview the current Stanley Cup playoff and wild card picture. Then we're going to dive in a little bit to the Penguins recently found success in these past few weeks, as well as the Columbus Blue Jackets continued woes. We are then going to move into the meat of this episode with the NHL trade deadline, and we are going to finish off with another final picture for the draft lottery and who will win the once-in-a-generational talent in Connor. Bedard, but first things first, I do want to just start off with who is leading each division, see if we have any changes, see what has basically moved along in the NHL since our last time up here. Uh, We take a look at the Eastern Conference in the Atlantic Division. I take this as no surprise at all that the Boston Bruins are number one with 103 points. They are the fastest team in NHL history to reach over 100 points. They did so in 61 games absolutely incredible what are your takes on this it's
1: just amazing what the boston bruins have been able to do and they've been and they've been adding more to their roster and they're just going to continue to get better i can even see them going for the 62 win plateau that's been set a couple times and this is a this is a very big season that we've seen from boston if they don't make it out of the first round it's going to be one of the biggest failures in all of hockey, even bigger than the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2019.
2: Completely agree.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that too. Boston is just on an absolutely historic uh, pace right now. I've never seen anything like it, um, even more so than that Tampa Bay Lightning team, like you were saying. Um, here we are, 60, 62 games, and they have a grand total of five regulation losses, which is unheard of, really and they've only gotten better at the deadline uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit i guess but they just seem to be a team that does not want to give in to the fact that you know patrice bergeron is going to be retiring soon they're loading up to be a good team for the long term not just wanting to reset retool they are on pace to be a very good team for years to come kind of continuing that legacy that they've had for a long time now
2: I completely agree. What they are doing is absolutely incredible, like both of you said. I mean, 100 points in 60 games, that's not only impressive. That is unheard of up until this season. They did make history this year, and it is absolutely incredible to watch as much as I do dislike the Boston Bruins. Uh, It is a pretty cool thing to still witness, be a part of that history. Um, But moving away from the Atlantic Division, we're going to go and take a look at our home turf, the Metro, To no one's surprise, really, the Carolina Hurricanes still remain two points in first. However, New Jersey is creeping up behind them rather quickly. Those two uh, teams seem to be the contenders for the Metro. Do we think that Carolina will still maintain that number one? Or do we think that New Jersey will swoop in and the Hurricanes will fall?
1: I still think Carolina is still going to win the Metro Division, but it's just amazing how much the New Jersey Devils have improved this year apart from last year. It was It's absolutely amazing, and I'm glad Carolina actually has some competition other than the Rangers, Penguins, and Capitals because they've been having a slow year this year, so it's great to see new teams going into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The Metro Division has always been – very competitive division. i mean historically i mean you know three games could separate you from being in first to being in sixth or seventh in the division but now we're seeing it be a lot more top heavy with carolina in charge new jersey's right behind them like we were saying and it's going to be a really tight matchup or a really tight race to see who finishes first in the metro uh it looks like both teams are going to make the playoffs with the rangers You know with the acquisition of Patrick Kane uh, they seem to be surging as well but I think it's ultimately going to come down to Carolina and New Jersey and like I always say in the NHL when it comes to the playoffs the most experienced team usually has the advantage so as much as I like New Jersey now as, as hot as they are as you know, as, as hot as they are, given how young they are. I think Carolina has a lot more experience. They have a lot more depth and they have a good mix of veterans and young talent. And so I think that'll give them the upper hand, but it will be very entertaining to see how New Jersey does given this huge surge that they've had just in the last year.
2: Absolutely. I completely agree with the both of you said. However, I do believe that New Jersey might actually take this opportunity because although last night, uh, as of this date, which will be March 6, 2023, as of last night, the Carolina Hurricanes did shut out the Tampa Bay Lightning 6-0. Yeah, they did. However, I am not going to put it past New Jersey that they won't slip in there because they are a team that I believe has been very slept on this year. They have been looked over time and time again just because, you know, like we always touch on, the Metro is just simply that Stacked at the end of the day and I think that they do have a chance to slide in there But that remains to be seen until the later half of this season as we are preparing to wrap up the regular season here uh, Moving out of the Eastern Conference We're going to go ahead and take a look into the Western Conference. We're in the Central I don't think this is too much of a surprise to a lot of people, but the Dallas Stars are still number one sitting with 81 points Not too surprised about this Dallas Stars run here. They're always a top three contender at least in the Central Division Um, So seeing them have this continued success is really no surprise, but I'm gonna kick it over to you guys What are your uh, takes on this Dallas Stars run?
1: It's just been amazing to see Dallas go up as they've been especially with All this talent like Jason Robertson. I think that's what his name is. He's been absolutely incredible and with 81 points, and they're they, they're currently the second overall seed in the West, I could definitely see them making a deep run into the Stanley Cup 2, the Stanley Cup Final. But you never know with the Western Conference. It's been an absolute animal to get out of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dallas, like, I, I didn't expect them to be number one in the central at this point i thought that they were kind of going to be a little more middle of the pack um kind of like with the bruins even though that they've kind of gotten rid of a lot of their older talent uh, like like Klingbird for example uh they have kind of reloaded with some really good kind of like you were saying with jason robertson they they seem to have a continuous pipeline of really good players coming in every single year and so Even though I'm a little surprised that Dallas is number one, I'm not surprised that they're kind of up there in the top three, just considering that, you know, the the next Minnesota's at 78 points, only three points behind them. And then behind them, you have Colorado, who even though they've had a very pretty bad injury bug this season, they seem to be continuing to play. Nathan McKinnon is back. Unfortunately, Kale McCarr is out now but i think colorado and winnipeg still have a really good chance at topping off the division if not it's probably going to come down to dallas and minnesota and i think that's going to be one of the tightest races one of the most entertaining races in the league um at least one of the most underrated ones just given how good minnesota is with caprizov and company and then obviously how dallas is so it'll be very interesting to see how the central plays out
2: I completely agree. This is one of the most entertaining divisions to watch in the NHL. Um, So seeing how tight of a race it really is following Dallas, I mean, you have only a four-point margin between the Avalanche and the Wild, not to mention that Colorado and Winnipeg currently share 74 points apiece. Uh, Colorado does hold the tiebreaker due to a win earlier in the season. Moving out of the Central Division, we're going to go ahead and take a look at the final division Here it is going to be the Pacific Division where, to nobody's surprise really at this stage, but the Las Vegas Golden Knights sitting two points in first with 82 followed by Los Angeles and then Seattle who is having a stellar second year in the NHL. Do we think that Vegas is still going to hold up this 82 uh, point margin or do we think that they're going to fall and allow a team like the Kings or the Kraken to move into first?
1: It may be too soon to tell because if you look at the Pacific standings, Vegas is at 82, you got the Kings at 80, and the Kraken at 78. It's anybody's game in the Pacific. And with the young talent, with Murray Berniers for Seattle, it's it's absolutely amazing. And Vegas just got Jonathan Quick, and that's going to help him goaltending-wise. But I definitely think the Pacific is going to be a bloodbath. I could totally see either Vegas... Los Angeles or Seattle any of those top three taking the division at the end of this year
0: Yeah, I would say it's probably going to end up coming down to Vegas and Los Angeles I really think Seattle has a good chance and then even Edmonton is only two points behind them. So Really only four or five games separate Edmonton uh, Who's in fourth place from Vegas who's in first so it really is anyone's game I think that Vegas and LA probably have the most upside as much as I really like Seattle, as much as I want, you know, uh, Wenberg and Joke Strand to do well up there to find some playoff success, um, I think ultimately it's going to come down to the top two, which are Vegas and L.A. But, yeah, definitely don't sleep on Seattle. Don't sleep on Edmonton either. You can't ever uh, count out Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl.
2: I completely agree. You can never count out the Oilers like Dan just said because Connor McDavid, I mean, he's Connor McDavid at the end of the day. There's no doubting that, man. However, I do believe that the Las Vegas Golden Knights will be uh, taking home the title for the Pacific. Interestingly enough, I will be at a Vegas Golden Knights uh, L.A. Kings game coming up in April. Uh, I will be in Las Vegas where I will get to see a plethora of former Columbus Blue Jackets taking (sighs) it on the ice, dueling it out. Uh, Unfortunately, we will touch on some of those trades later. One of them did, unfortunately, break my heart as a Columbus Blue Jackets fan. But that remains to be discussed for later. Now I want to take a look here and preview the current Stanley Cup playoff picture. So as we kind of touched on, uh, the leaders in each division obviously are are going to make the playoffs at this point in the season. Uh, There's really no doubt in my mind that any of the division leaders are not going to make the playoffs. So right now guaranteed lock we have boston uh carolina dallas and vegas i think the only questionable one it might be vegas though just because the pacific is in such a landlock right now such a battle over there um but i want to turn it over to you guys to get your takes on what your stanley cup picture looks like and then also what your wild card predictions are
1: yeah this is yeah this stanley Cup playoffs. Picture is just wide open you know you don't know which teams are going to be missing out you don't know which teams are going to be making it like pittsburgh and the islanders they're not even a they're not even a lock with buffalo ottawa florida and washington breathing down their neck it's just going to be amazing to see how these final 20 or so games are going to go and especially with especially in the pacific division the western conference with where these standings can shift can shift in a heartbeat it's just amazing to see how much these playoffs are going to change throughout the course of the next course of these next 20 games it's just amazing it's, i just don't think you can concoct a Stanley Cup picture as of right now
0: yeah i would say for like the eastern conference the the standings that we see now i feel like are probably going to be locked in just considering that in the wild card you have the islanders who are a good seven points behind uh number three new york rangers in the metro and then pittsburgh is a point behind them as well so i think that what we see so far with division leaders um you know per usual boston toronto and tampa bay in the atlantic and then the metro definitely switched up from over the last couple years you got carolina who who I've been saying the last couple years is a favorite to win the East. And then obviously the surging uh, Devils, the Rangers are back. Um, The the Penguins are always there, and then the Islanders in the wild card. But like Casey was saying, Buffalo, Ottawa, Florida, and Washington all tied with 68 points right now. So that is going to be the tightest race that we see um, in this final stretch of the season for the Eastern wild card. Western, it's going to be a little more tight as far as who's going to make it in uh, as divisional leaders. Right now, you got Dallas, Minnesota, and Colorado. Like I said, Winnipeg is tied with Colorado right now in the Central. And then Pacific, like we were saying, Vegas, LA, and Seattle. And then Edmonton is also in the wild card with the number one seed. Um, So even though it seems to be a little bit more top-heavy there, You know, you still got to keep an eye out for teams like Nashville, like Calgary, hell, even St. Louis. They've had a couple big moves at the deadline as well. And so I think that just really the whole race is still yet to be concluded. I mean, obviously the only huge locks that we have right now are Boston and probably Carolina. So just seeing how everything plays out in this final stretch of the season is going to be really entertaining. And it's going to be a really fun playoffs. I can guarantee you that.
2: Oh, yeah. I completely agree this this offseason will be one for the books because like you guys both said It is so difficult to draw up a playoff picture as of this moment because in a lot of these divisions Other than the Atlantic the race is just so tight to get that number one. Obviously the Atlantic Boston they have that in the bag. I mean 103 points followed by Toronto with 84. I Genuinely don't see Toronto coming close. I don't think they can come close. I don't even think it's statistically possible for how late in the season it is but moving away from the stanley cup playoffs and the wild card picture i want to take a look into the pittsburgh penguins current standings and how they're doing and then also take a peek at the columbus blue jackets and their continued struggles casey i'm going to kick it over to you our in-house pens fan how have the pittsburgh penguins managed to fare that mid-season slump that we touched on just about a month ago and do you think that they will clinch that final wild card spot
1: it's still too soon to tell as i mentioned before now they did go on a four game winning streak and that came to an end on saturday after a 4-1 loss to the panthers and here it's going to be impossible for the penguins to make the playoffs if they can't win in the metro the last time they beat a metro opponent was december 20th of last year against the new york rangers and they're going up against four straight metro opponents in their five-game homestand. So there's going to be plenty of time to shake that slump off. You got Columbus, you got the Islanders, you got the Flyers, you got the Rangers. And they recently picked up one of the old boys in Nick Bonino, but you just, I just don't know with this team. It's a like a cabaret cream egg. You don't know what feeling is inside until you bite into it. I just don't know what to expect with the Penguins. And it may be too soon to tell, but the Penguins are either going to be right on or they're way off. That's what it's going to be.
2: Absolutely there. Um, as somebody who I do casually watch the Pittsburgh Penguins now, thanks to my roommate, shout out JJ, um, <laughs> I have noticed that they, much like you said, they, they're they starting to shake it off, but they haven't quite gotten over that right. hump quite yet. However, much like you said, they do have uh, four of their next five games against Metro opponents in that home stretch. Um, I don't want to say you have an easy win first game, no. but you've got a pretty easy win. First game. <laughs>
1: don't say that because now you're gonna jinx it.
2: If if listen, if I jinx if I jinx it so the Columbus Blue Jackets beat the Pittsburgh Penguins, so be it. I'll be <laughs> yeah. I'll be happy with that. You're gonna ruin your precious tank. Don't do it. <laughs> I don't think we're ruining that tank anytime soon. Moving away from the Pens, moving on to Dan and I's favorite team in the state of Ohio's unfortunately <laughs> our lifeblood for this sport, the Columbus Blue Jackets. They are still at the bottom of the league, all the way down, sitting at 32nd in the NHL. That has not changed. What has changed a little bit is the Jackets, despite being that low in the league still, they have had some pretty competitive games, uh, especially when you factor in some of the trades that were going on, some of the players we had sitting out going into the trade deadline. However, we have not won a game since... February the twenty fifth, we are on a three game lose, or pardon me, a four game losing streak. Coming off of a very very rough game uh, on Saturday the fourth, where we lost five to two to the Ottawa Senators. Honestly, I'm not too surprised that we lost that game to the Senators. Looking at the grand scheme of things, especially with their new acquisition of Jacob uh, Chikrin. Not too surprised there. But again, we will touch on those trades a little bit later. Dan, I want to get your takes on the Blue Jackets and their continued struggles. You and I have been going through it this year. What are your thoughts on the Blue Jackets? Where can they look to improve in the offseason? And overall, do we think that we are still going to finish out as the worst team in the league this season?
0: well i will have to say that if you're a true blue jackets fan you cannot be any happier with how the season is going let's be honest because when we got when we first got johnny gaudreau uh, paired with patrick line we got all these young players coming up we thought that at least we'd be probably middle of the pack, maybe not good enough to make the playoffs, but certainly not good enough to be in the Conor Bedard sweepstakes. But after just a horrible start to the season, there was really nothing else that the Blue Jackets could do but just ride the tank, just absolutely, you know, just just trust the process. I mean, obviously you're not going to make the playoffs, so you may as well, you know, try to go after this generational talent who people are calling the next, you know, Sidney Crosby you know, future Hall of Fame or, you know, all-time great. And then Connor McDavid, who is on an absolutely historic tear right now, if you look at his production, it's unprecedented. So the fact that the Blue Jacks can get one of those guys, another McDavid, another Crosby, it's, it's honestly going to be worth it. And the way that they're tanking, you can't really ask for a better way that they're doing it. They're still... You know, they're they're still staying competitive in games. You're still seeing some production from, you know, unheard of talent. uh, Look, you know, unexpected talent, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, For example, last week, Eric Robinson had a hat trick in a, I forget who they were playing, but they ended up winning. And Eric Robinson, of all people, scored a hat trick. And, you know, we always joke about how he's got the speed, but really nothing else. He can go 100 miles an hour down the ice and completely whiff, you know, 20 feet from the net Um, but so we're seeing some really good young players improve Kirill Marchenko, Kent Johnson and another thing that I'm really proud of what the Blue Jackets are doing this year and not so much the Blue Jackets themselves but the fans they're dead last in the league but the fans are filling up the stadium I mean the last couple games they're going 104, 103% uh, attendance and so that's how you know that this team is on the right track. Even though they are absolutely abysmal right now, the fans know that they are in the midst of something really special. It it reminds me a lot of the Cavs in 2019 and 2020. They were just downright awful, but they were drafting some young stars. They were acquiring talent left and right um, that went a lot under the radar. And I'm seeing a lot of that with the Blue Jackets right now. For as much as I hate seeing them lose, they're in a really good spot right now they they can't be i'm almost to the point where i'm getting mad when they do win games um i mean obviously i love seeing them win but you know just embracing the tank at this point you can't really do anything else except enjoy the blue jackets if they win great if they lose great so i'm really happy with how the blue jackets are losing right now As I've joked with you off air before, I've never been happier to see them lose. So I'm hoping that they embrace the tank and hopefully end up with that number one pick.
2: I'm also in the same boat because last time the Columbus Blue Jackets were doing this poorly in the season, we got Rick Nash. So I have expectations through the roof here for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And I'm actually going to take this time to kind of break away and move into the trade deadline. It was an absolutely electric Trade deadline. We have so many trades to cover. Um, there, this was a record-breaking. Th- I believe there were 35 total trades made by the deadline, which is a record-breaking uh, trade deadline for the NHL. There were a lot of moves. However, I want to recap uh, the Jackets ones, the Pens ones. But before we go into the Jackets and Pens moves at the trade deadline, I want to take a look at some of the major major trades that went down. Uh, During the deadline, the first one that I want to take a look at is John Klingberg getting shipped off to Minnesota from Anaheim. He got saved. He's now on a far, far, far better team than he was in Anaheim now that he is in Minnesota. And I think Minnesota got a steal for what they gave up for Klingberg, where they only gave up two players and a fourth round pick for a player of Klingberg's caliber. 100% 100% worth that you added depth to your lineup. You added mobility for your power play. Yep, I think it was a stellar, stellar trade. But being, the quite frankly, the last big move that happened to the trade deadline, what are your guys' takes on Klingberg moving to Minnesota and his impact that he has had there since he's been traded?
1: I absolutely love this move for the Minnesota Wild. They're trying to keep up with the Dallas Stars in the Central Division, but it's definitely that's and john Kleenberg is definitely a good way to start i even heard rumors that they even gave up erickson-esque to get Kleenberg, but they didn't have to get rid of him so there you go minnesota is still on the up and up and it's very it's very sad to see the anaheim ducks let go of such a very good player but i'm happy Kleenberg is out of a very bad team and now he can thrive on the minnesota wild and maybe go on a deep run who knows
0: yeah, if you're Anaheim, you're definitely disappointed in the yield that you got for Klingberg. But we also got to take into the and take into account that you know Klingberg, he was definitely not a fit there. I mean, he's still very good, but he's 30. The Anaheim Ducks are in an absolute tank right now. They're also in the mix for Connor Bedard, so they really have no interest or business in winning right now. Um, even though they seem to have a lot of good young talent uh, coming into the season, a lot like the Blue Jackets. Um, so getting rid of some expensive veteran like Klingberg was definitely the right move. They definitely could have gotten more, but, you know, what What were they going to do? I mean, because by the time that if they end up with Bedard, you know, he's going to be on the other side of 30. And so what, you're not really sure exactly how he's going to fit. So sending them off to Minnesota, who is on a surge right now uh, with their young talent, giving them some veteran depth at defense is only going to make them better. So it's an absolute win for Minnesota and hoping, hopefully helping them to get over that hump uh, and make a deep playoff run.
2: Absolutely. I completely agree with what both of you said about the return, about the trade, about the move in general. It was a fantastic move for Minnesota. Uh, Dan, kind of like you said, a little bit disappointed if you're an Anaheim fan. But at the end of the day, you couldn't have asked for a more fair trade, in my opinion. I want to take a look at another trade. Uh, This one touches home a little bit for Dan and I as former Columbus Blue Jacket and one of my former favorite players. Maxi Domi was shipped out of Chicago. Thank everything for that because he did not deserve to be in Chicago. The total trade that went down was uh, the Dallas Stars received. Max Domi and Dylan Wells in Chicago receives a second-round pick and goalie Anton – I think that's Kabudin. Is how you pronounce that last name? I'm not too uh, 100% sure. Kadobin? Kadobin. Um, but it, it, this this touches home a little bit because, <coughs> as we know, Max, uh, Max Domi, former Columbus Blue Jacket, before we traded him at the deadline to Carolina, mm-hmm. and he went from Carolina then to Chicago to team up with another former Columbus Blue Jacket who I – We'll never speak his name. I don't like him. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that Max is finally out of a very poor system in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that he's on Dallas now. Uh, he is going to be a free agent in the off season. So please, please, please bring Max Domi back. But I do want to get your guys' opinions on this trade and honestly the overall view of how Domi will fit in with the Dallas Stars.
1: Yeah, honestly, Max Domi was one of the few B- Blue Jackets I actually liked. He has so much talent. And it's sad that when he, he went to a team that was so bad, to a relic of the old, of old past, and it's amazing to see him go to a Stanley Cup contender in the Dallas Stars, especially in the Western Conference where basically any team can win it. I can definitely see Max Domi helping Dallas out in their final 19 games so it's definitely going to be amazing to see what Dallas and Max Domi can do
0: yeah Max Domi is definitely an x-factor that really every successful team should have even though he may not be the most productive scorer it definitely has the physicality the toughness the, the grit that even though we're seeing a lot more skill in this league you can't have enough of that old school physicality that max domi brings so definitely a good acquisition by dallas um even though i wasn't entirely sure exactly how we fit in chicago just given how bad they were we saw it coming from a mile away it seemed like they were just getting all these expensive guys taking all these bad contracts uh like max domi um you know we're still talking about seth jones obviously um, who somehow made the all-star game i mean i guess it just goes to show the talent that chicago has Uh, But, I mean, honestly, that's exactly the piece that Dallas needs to pretty much, you know, get them over the hump, hopefully make them continue to have deep playoff runs, and I'm excited to see them with the Stanley Cup contending team.
2: As am I. I wish nothing but success for all the former Columbus Blue Jackets except Seth Jones and Dubois. (laughs) However, moving away from that, we're going to take a look at one of the first blockbuster trades, in my opinion, that went down uh, somewhat early in the trade deadline where the sought-after defenseman, the oh-so-sought-after defenseman from Arizona, Jacob Chickering, was shipped off to Ottawa in return for a first-round pick in the 2023 draft, a 2024 second-round pick, and a 2026 second-round pick. I think this was an absolute steal by the Ottawa Senators. I feel like Arizona should have... And they definitely could have gotten so much more out of Chikrin at the end of the day. I was actually hoping that the Blue Jackets would pursue Chikrin, uh at the deadline. Unfortunately, we did not do so. However, um, as I mentioned before earlier in this episode, that Chikrin is actually—he contributed his first home game as a senator— in the defeat uh where they defeated the Columbus Blue Jackets 5-2. He scored that game, also got himself an assist. He seems to be fitting in very, very well in Ottawa, but I do want to get both of your guys takes on Chikrin and how he fits in with the Senators.
1: Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely good news for Ottawa, especially since they're going in for- Going all in for a playoff push, they're only three games behind the pe- they're only three points behind the Penguins, and Jacob Chichirin should definitely help, and they hope they all but open the vault for them, a 2023 first round pick, 2024 second round pick, and a t- second round pick for 2026, and that first round pick is top five protected, so mm-hmm. that's how much they wanted Chikrin. and if that's met, the 2024 20- pick is first round unprotected, so yeah, the Ottawa Senators knew what they were doing when they wanted to get Chikrin, and I could definitely see them bolster up the defenseman because Ottawa has been inconsistent, even though they've won 32 games and 68 points, but they should definitely, it should definitely help out the Senators. I'm definitely scared of them now.
0: Yeah, I mean, we saw all the talent that they kind of brought in over the last offseason or two in Ottawa, and you, you knew that you couldn't take this team lightly. You knew that they were going to be one of those teams that are going to be very competitive, even though they're still relatively inexperienced. Like, as a group, uh, they, they definitely have the talent to make it up to the playoffs. They started off really weak at the beginning of the season. We thought maybe they were also going to be in on Connor Bedard, but they seem to have kind of branched off from that and are now making a push for the playoffs. And Jacob Chickren is exactly the piece that they need to get them there. Uh, only 24 years old, he's still he's a very good defenseman who is only getting started in the grand scheme of things, and the fact that Arizona got a first, a second, and a, another second was pretty, pretty remarkable, considering they were asking for a lot more. They were asking for two starter-level players and more, um, including a first-round pick. And so, you know, kind of what you were talking about, Pat, with how we we, us Columbus Blue Jackets fans we really wanted Chikoran as well we thought he could be a good long-term tease to pair with Zach Wierenski uh, to give David Yerchek who in all likelihood is going to come up and be a huge contributor next season that would give him a little bit more of a cushion to kind of develop not have as many high expectations out of him so it was disappointing to see Jacob Chickwin go to Ottawa for something that we easily could have offered that I feel like we did offer. I'm not entirely sure. I don't know what's going on in that office of Jarmo Kekalainen, but I really think that he could have pulled something off. So I am disappointed that Chikorin ended up leaving for Ottawa, but at the same time for Ottawa, that's a really good steal for them if they want to make the playoffs.
2: Absolutely. I completely agree that Chikorin, he has been lighting it up in Ottawa. As much as I hate to say it, he has been. He's been on fire up there. He seems to be a very, very good fit for their system. And honestly, I love the guy. You can't really hate Chickering too much. So I'm glad he's finding some success. And I want to take a look at one final trade before we delve into all the trades that the Jackets and the Pens did. I kind of view this as a trade that sparked the trade deadline. And I believe that any hockey fan out there knows exactly what trade I am talking about. But it was the blockbuster trade That sent Patrick Kane to the New York Rangers from the Chicago Blackhawks. And like I said, this was a trade that basically started the absolute pandemonium that we saw this trade deadline. The total trade details were New York receives Patrick Kane and Cooper Jack. And Chicago received a plethora, a package of a 2023 second round pick, a 2025 fourth round pick. Defenseman Vili, I believe that is Sar Sarvajari. I think I'm not too sure how to say his name, so I apologize if I butcher Sarvi. any pronunciation. If thank you, Casey. I, I do apologize if I butcher any of the pronunciations of these names. And defenseman Andy uh, Walensky. This, like I said, was the trade that sparked the trade deadline. Everybody knew Patrick Kane was going to be shipped off at this trade deadline. But the question was, where did he go? He finds himself as a New York Ranger. Gentlemen, I'm going to turn the floor over to you. Give me your takes on this trade, how Patrick Kane is faring in New York, and how he should feel now that he's officially shipped off from Chicago, a team that has had him since he was drafted in it to the NHL oh so many years ago.
1: As much as I hated the Blackhawks dynasty, I am beyond thrilled to see Patrick Kane out of the— out of the declining Chicago Blackhawks. And Patrick Kane is still very serviceable and especially with the New York Rangers still one of the youngest teams in the NHL. They you now have some old grit and it's definitely gonna be amazing to see what the Rangers can do. You definitely now you got another bright score and the Rangers are definitely gonna be trying to catch up to Carolina and New Jersey. So I'm looking forward to see Patrick Kane as a New York Ranger.
0: Yeah, absolutely. New York is definitely going all in on this playoff run. I think that they could easily surpass some of these teams ahead of them just with Patrick Kane alone. We also need to remember they got Vladimir Karasenko from St. Louis earlier in the season. That's right. And so they have a lot of really good Stanley Cup level talent on the team and just seeing Patrick Kane Patrick Kane go there. As much as I didn't like the Blackhawks, like you were saying, Casey, and even though I'm not a big Kane fan, I mean the fact that he's going to go to another Stanley Cup contending team, maybe win the Stanley Cup there, that's just going to cement his legacy as one of the all time greats of our generation. So, uh, very excited to see the talent that New York brought in. Um, not even, not that I'm even a Rangers fan, but you know, if you're if you're kind of a fair weather hockey fan, you're looking for a team to root for uh, this playoffs. I would not count out New York Rangers, so definitely be on the lookout for them to make a deep playoff push.
2: Absolutely. Like I said, this trade deadline was absolute pandemonium, and as I have stated time and time again, this was the trade that ultimately sparked the over 35 moves that we saw going into the deadline. I want to take a moment now, and I'm going to actually turn this over to you, Casey, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Obviously, they shipped off some players. They brought in some new players. Let's hear the Pittsburgh Penguins trade deadline recap and your takes on how those uh, trades are going to affect the team moving forward.
1: All right. So on March on March 1st, they made a couple moves. They shipped off Teddy Bluger to the Vegas Golden Knights in exchange for Pierre DelaBarre Tour and a 2024 third round pick. Honestly, I liked Teddy Bluger, but. He hasn't been scoring as much as of late, and he hasn't been himself as of late, but Pierre de Berritor is, like I said, the Cadbury cream egg. You don't, know what's in, you don't know what feelings can be inside until you bite into it. He hasn't played a single game in the NHL just yet, so you don't know what we're going to get with him. And all, and in the, the other move, they sent a 2023 second round pick to the Nashville Predators for Mikael Grunland, and... I heard from one of my friends who is a Preds fan that he's having one of his slow years. He's His plus minus is a minus 16. He's only scored nine goals and he's gotten only 36 points as a center. So it may be too soon to tell, but maybe a change of scenery will definitely help him. But March 3rd is where the Penguins really shine, the final day of the trade deadline. They shipped off a 2023 5th and 7th round pick to for to the San Jose Sharks for a reunion with Nick Bonino. As a Pens fan, I am happy to see this nostalgia. I loved seeing Nick Bonino back in 2016 and 2017. The, the problem is this year he doesn't have Carl Hagelin and Phil Kessel to help him out this year. So it's gonna be so. Like I said again, the mystery box. So it's gonna be an amazing time to see Nick Benino. Nick, see Nick Bonino try to go back to 2016 X. And the final move, they sent Brock McGinn and a 2024 third-round pick to Anaheim Ducks to pick up Dmitry Kulikov. And it's a shame because I thought Brock McGinn was definitely having one of the better years in his career. And it's uh, and Anaheim is still trying to recover. And they're trying to win the race for Bernard. And the thing is with Dmitry Kulikov... He had one of his better years when he was a member of the Minnesota Wild back in 2022. He had a plus-minus of 23, and he's that was a that's a very good number for a defenseman. But in Anaheim, of course, he hasn't been doing very well. So maybe a change of scenery will definitely help him. All in all, the Penguins did have a really, really good trade deadline, as opposed to yeah, as opposed to Jim Rutherford's past, So
2: who knows? Maybe the Penguins can improve upon this. Absolutely. I think some of the moves that were made by the Pens, uh, some were questionable, some were very, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, much like you said, a lot of these are mystery box players. You don't really know what you're going to get until um, they actually step foot on the ice and get to playing. Mm-hmm. Now I would like to move over. Um, but before you, before oh, we move right. on, I, I do
0: want to throw in uh, my two cents on this. Um, it's just that even though on the surface, I think these are really good pickups for Pittsburgh, uh, especially Mikhail Gramlin. He's got a lot of upside still, even though he's 31. And it is nice for Nick Bonino to come back um, if you're a Pittsburgh fan. But in the long run, it just seems like these are kind of more moves that are like, all right, well, you're not really preparing for the future. You're just kind of no. trying to draw out your playoff run, which is you know far out of its prime now, even though I think Pittsburgh can and likely will make the playoffs, I don't see them being able to compete with really all the other surging teams. So I just feel like Pittsburgh at some point, they got to just pull the plug and start going after, you know, some younger guys start, you know, living to see the next day just because it just seems like over the last couple of years, they're just holding on to some of these older players, even though they're not really getting much better. I kind of saw it with Columbus at the end there. They were just kind of stalled out as being first round exits and at some point they had to just you know retool reset and you know build for the future and even though pittsburgh still has a lot of upside there i think that some of these additions are very questionable whereas you know you see someone like boston even though they're getting a lot older too they're replenishing their system with younger talent and i think that's something that pittsburgh should be doing rather than going after someone like randlin someone like Kulikov and even nick Benino. um so that's that's just my opinion uh not as a penguins fan just as you know trying to be unbiased if i was a penguins fan as much as i like Benino, i'd much rather see some retooling done rather than trying to draw out this whole middle of the pack uh era that they're in
1: Dan, you're talking about a team from Pittsburgh. They don't do anything until their major players retire or let their contracts expire. So
2: Yep, take it from two Steelers fans. We know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but moving away from the away Pittsburgh. From <laughs> uh moving away from the Pittsburgh Penguins Penguins, we are going to take a look here at unfortunately our Columbus Blue Jackets, Dan. This trade deadline was a whirlwind of emotions. Uh, We were very clearly—this is something that is established very early on in a lot of sports, but for those of you who don't know, um, a lot of people are considered to be buyers at the deadline, and a lot of people are considered to be sellers at the deadline. Uh, The Columbus Blue Jackets, we were definitely sellers in this trade deadline. Uh, The first official move that we made of the trade deadline consisted— well, it first began on February the 23rd, where we uh, acquired a fifth-round draft pick— in return for Gustav Nyquist, we sent uh, Nyquist over to Minnesota, back to the team where he started his career. That move that move hurt a little bit, but honestly, I'm glad we got some return out of Nyquist uh, just because he has been injury-prone these past few seasons. He hasn't been playing as much, especially this year. So getting a fifth-round draft pick, not the worst move that could happen. But on February 24th was when... My world as a Columbus Blue Jacket was kind of turned upside down, where we shipped off two of my favorite players and Vladislav Gavrikov and goaltender Jonas Corposalo and we shipped them off to the Los Angeles Kings in return for goalie Jonathan Quick, a 2023 first-round pick and a 2024 third-round pick. I, I didn't know how to feel about this move. At first, because I believe it was back in October when we were on one episode of uh, Hockey Talk here that I actually talked with you, Dan, about how I would love for the Columbus Blue Jackets to trade out either Elvis Lincolns or uh, Jonas Corposalo in return for a veteran goaltender presence um, that we should bring in. Well, we made that trade, but then shortly, I want to say it was about 18 hours later, we turned around and we shipped off Jonathan Quick to the Las Vegas Golden Knights in return for a 2025 7th round pick and goaltender Michael Hutchinson. So we got that veteran uh, goaltender presence that I, I had talked about so many months ago just to turn around and chip him off to Las Vegas before he even stepped foot <laughs> in Columbus, before he even went ahead and put on a Columbus Blue Jackets jersey. Nevertheless, Jonathan Quick, Columbus Blue Jacket legend, retired the number 32. He should be the only Blue Jacket to have ever worn that number Dan I want to get your opinion on those two major trades that the Columbus Blue Jackets did and what are your thoughts moving forward with uh moving on from uh Gavrikov Korpisalo and ultimately bringing in this raw prospect that we're starting to see out of Michael Hutchinson
0: well yeah as a Blue Jackets slash Monsters fan it was really sad to see the Corpusalo era end in Ohio um we, we kind of saw it coming, though. I just wish that over the years Columbus would have fully committed to him because, you know, here he was with the Monsters in their championship era. He kind of shared some time in Columbus there. And then and once he came to Columbus, he was kind of serving as a really good backup to Sergei Bobrovsky. And then after Bobrovsky left, we were kind of wondering, you know, is Korpusov going to be the next number one guy? And then so then Elvis Merzlikens comes over from overseas, and it still seems just kind of like, a is he our number one guy? Who, who's really the number one guy here? Is it Corby? Is it Elvis? So it would have been nice to see Corpus kind of become that sole number one goaltender. Like we almost saw back in uh, 2020, I believe it was, 2019, 2020, when he made the All-Star game. Um, so... Seeing him plateau there, kind of unfortunate that he didn't do anything, that he wasn't able to do anything more with Columbus. But just being the awesome, loyal guy that he is, very solid. He wouldn't let you down very much. Gave us a lot of memories, like when he had that, what was it, 80-something saves uh, in that uh, six-overtime game against the Lightning back in the bubble in 2020. Um, Definitely won't forget that. So it really sucks to see him go. Uh, same with Gavrikov. He's really a very good second-pair defenseman. Uh, here we all thought that Boston was going to be in on him. Turns out Boston ended to go in a different direction, acquiring Dmitry Orlov from the Capitals. They also got Tyler Bertuzzi while they were there, so that's another winner from the trade deadline. But uh, not to get off topic, but going with that trade, it was as much as I hated to see Gavrikov and Corpasalo go, The fact that we were able to get a first and a third, as well as Jonathan Quick, who we were able to flip for a veteran backup goaltender in Michael Hutchinson, and a seventh round pick, I think it was pretty good, considering that Korpisalo and Gavrikov were pending free agents. So I think that these moves, as much as I hate to see them, you know, you look at the guys we shipped off, Jake Voracek, you don't even know if he's going to play hockey anymore, especially given his pretty big uh, contract getting that off our chest as well as Nyquist who everyone loves you can't hate on Nyquist but at the same time he is on the other side of 30 he's probably going to want to go to a team that is looking to have success now which is a lot what which is pretty much what we're seeing with Minnesota so no surprise that he gets shipped off so we really got rid of a lot of the dead weight on our team uh, at least as far as uh, salary and contracts go So, I really like the moves that we've made, especially getting a lot of the goaltender depth that we got that will allow Daniil Tarasov to come back down to Cleveland. Uh, Same with Jack Greaves. It'll give us a lot more flexibility as far as what we do with uh, the goaltender position. So, all in all, I think that these are pretty good trades, especially that first. Um, If we could use that first on either more defensive depth or even use that on one of the top goalie prospects in this upcoming draft, I think that'll be very solid for Columbus. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how it all pans out in the near future.
2: As am I. Uh, Dan, much like you said, this it, it did hurt to see the Corpusalo era come to an end. I myself, um, I was very widely known that I was not the biggest fan of Jonas Corpus allo However, after seeing him go to L.A., it, it makes me wish that I would have appreciated his time here in Columbus a lot more than I did. Um, it was just a little bit, you know, it was, it was kind of hard to want to appreciate Corpusalo after the Bob Vrosky era and that little bit of uncertainty where we didn't have our number one guy at that time, where we find ourselves back in that uncertainty of we don't know who our number one is. Um, however, I do agree with you. I'm a huge fan that we brought in Michael Hutchinson. Despite his age, I do know he has a lot of good hockey to play left in him, hence why I called him a raw prospect, because he has not really seen too much of the ice in his tenure across the league. I'm very excited to see him eventually get the start in net one night and see what he can do for us. Um, personally, I think if he can perform better than who uh, better than what Elvis lincolns is doing, I say that uh, an unpopular opinion of mine, I think that we should send Elvis lincolns back down to Cleveland, have him figure out what he needs to figure out because this season has been, uh, quite frankly, the most abysmal season I've ever seen by a Columbus Blue Jackets goaltender since Steve Mason. Uh, post right. yeah. post 2008 post 2008 Yeah, that's a um, sh- and, it, and it just we're back to that uncertainty but I do like the moves that we made uh, much like you said I, I do think that we can use that draft pick on one of the goalie prospects however I in my opinion the reason we made that move is to ensure that we will get the number one overall pick because regardless of the fact at the end of the day we will at least end up with one of the top three picks in the NHL Um, does that mean we win the lottery? No. But what that does mean is that whichever one of the top three picks that we get, we can then incorporate that pick along with the pick that we got from Los Angeles, get the first overall pick, get Connor Bedard, and make Columbus happy, make them a city of champions. Keeping my fingers crossed for that one there. Moving away from the trade deadline, the final piece of the puzzle in this weeks uh, episode part of the doubleheader as I mentioned earlier is the final picture for the draft lottery now I know we just recently touched on this Casey you and I uh, a little less than a month ago but it is something that must be talked about time and time again as there have Uh. been some shifts in the bottom of the league do we think Connor Bedard a goes number one which I think is a fairly easy answer to that there um, and if he does, who wins that first overall pick? And ultimately, do they take Connor Bedard or do they trade those picks for a plethora of players so that way another team can move up and get this once in a generational talent? Gentlemen, I turn the floor over to you. Who will Connor Bedard go to? Who's winning the lottery? Let's go.
1: Uh, I still think Columbus has a great chance to win the draft lottery, but. That's one thing I hate about the draft lotteries because the, the worst team, they can always end up going to the fourth overall pick as I've seen a few years ago with Colorado when they were, when they were abysmal. So, so that's what I hate about it, but I still think Columbus still has a bright chance of winning the draft lottery and getting Bernard, And It would be absolutely stupid to not get Connor Berdard out with the first overall pick, especially with Chicago. They can definitely use him. And San Jose could definitely use them. Even Anaheim could use them. But I still think that Columbus is still the favorite to win the Tankley Cup playoffs. And, yeah, I'm excited to see where you... I just want to see you guys happy. I really want to see you guys happy and get Bedard.
0: Oh, well, thank you. I hope that the Penguins are trash for the next (laughs) 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 one. But, I mean, yeah, it's it's a really tight race. I think ultimately it's going to eventually come down to Columbus, San Jose, Anaheim, and Chicago. Um, And this is a really good race. Even if, you know, I wasn't a Columbus fan, just seeing all these teams, you know, just desperately trying to get this generational talent is really just as exciting as seeing who's going to end up making the playoffs. Um, So really when you look at the Columbus Blue Jackets upcoming schedule, This schedule is crucial in really all ways because it seems like the Blue Jackets schedule is mostly comprised of either playoff teams who are right now have a playoff spot or it's against teams that are right in the tank with us. It doesn't seem to be a whole lot of in-between. Tomorrow night on Tuesday, we play the Penguins. Um, In upcoming games, we also play the Kings, the Golden Knights, Uh, the Rangers, and then even in April we play teams like Panthers, the Senators, Maple Leafs, Devils. There's so many good teams that we're playing, and it's really only going to do us good, but at the same time, we're also playing teams that are just as desperate for Bedard as we are. We got the Sharks coming up in a week, uh, the Ducks, we got... Uh, even the Canadians are still kind of in the mix, even though they're starting to be on the outside looking in. Uh, they're not someone you can count out. So there's a lot of teams who are still in on Bedard that will play, and those games are going to be crucial to see who ends up getting toward the bottom. Now, ultimately, it's going to be hard you know, to predict who will end up with Bedard, just considering the odds. Um, but I have, a, I have a suspicion that either the Blue Jackets are going to be lucky enough to end up with him, or if it's not the Blue Jackets, I just have this weird feeling that San Jose is going to end up winning that number one pick, if not Columbus. So it's going to be very exciting to see how this final month and a half goes. Um, but yeah, like you said, like, like we were talking about before, Bedard, he could be the next Rick Nash, but 10 times better probably. Um, and we also saw how this whole rebuild played out with Pittsburgh 20 years ago. You know, they were bottom of the league. They were doing horrible in attendance. Hell, they almost even moved out of Pittsburgh to Kansas City. And so they ended up going through this big tank. They end up with Marc-Andre Fleury first overall. They end up with Sidney Crosby. They end up with Evgeny Malkin. Uh, I'm probably forgetting some. Chris Letang. And Mm -hmm. those drafts where they were just horrible year after year, those drafts paid off at the end. Three Stanley Cups later, i mean all those guys are still playing on the team still in the playoffs so you know why can't that be columbus this team deserves the success that they definitely deserve like i said they're filling out the arena even though they are bottom of the barrel this this city really needs winning hockey and this whole state does for that matter because there are columbus fans everywhere You, you wouldn't really know it from the outside media But, you know, Cincinnati is filled with them. You see tons of them in Cleveland at Monsters games. It's just the state of Ohio deserves to have a winning hockey team, and I think that Connor Bedard can easily provide that, you know, see how he fits in with Gaudreau and Laine, two awesome vets, and then you also got to take into account – you know, all these up-and-comers, Kirill Marchenko, Kent Johnson, and then guys who even haven't come up yet, David Yeracek, Corson uh, Kuhlman, uh, Jordan Dumai is, is playing just as efficiently as Bedard in the juniors. And it's kind of weird that you don't really hear about him much, but he's one of the most proficient scorers. So it's not that Columbus doesn't have the talent. It's just that Bedard might be that missing piece, might be that Alex Ovechkin, that that Connor McDavid, that Sidney Crosby, that this team really needs to be to compete with a very, very competitive Eastern Conference so definitely looking forward to seeing how that all plays out.
2: As am I I do believe that the Columbus Blue Jackets will end up with the first overall pick. I did see a video on Instagram the other day where some of the draft officials and um, some of the trade officials as well, the trade masterminds if you will they were doing a mock draft where the Columbus mm-hmm. Blue Jackets ended up with that number one overall pick coming out of the lottery. Um, again, regardless on if we get the number one pick or not, I still believe we will trade our top three pick and the other pick we got from the Los Angeles Kings, and we will ship that to whoever wins the first overall pick, See, and we will get Connor Bedard.
0: I, I love the idea of that. It's just with this draft, with how good Connor Bedard is, I just don't think that would be enough, uh, to be honest with you. You know, moving, you know, like when you see in the NFL, if someone is moving up just two spots for a quarterback, they give up a lot. You know, they give up a lot of future picks, even if they're mid round picks, they do give up a lot of assets. And I think with how good Connor Bedard is and how good he's supposed to be, at least, I think it's going to take more than a top three pick plus, you know, a lower 20s pick. Uh, just to end up with him so I really hope that Columbus ends up with Bedard obviously with that number one pick but also the number two guy Adam Fantilli he would go number one in pretty much any other draft over the last several years so even if we end up with number two I think it would still be worth it just to keep that pick and then use that later pick on a goalie because let's let's face it our goaltender situation is very bleak Uh, Tarasov has a lot of upside but he's been injured time and time again this year so that really is a big concern obviously Elvis Lakens, we're still not sold on him but most of us are kind of on the same page that yeah he's probably not the answer for as much as we all love him so even though we have a lot of a lot of quantity at goalie right now the system the future is very bleak so I would definitely use I would definitely want to have a late first higher second to use on a top tier goalie um, and that's just my opinion. Um, so I, I really hope that we end up with that first overall pick. But if we don't, I don't know if I want to give up the world just to land him.
2: You know what? I could I completely agree with you on that one. I did not give that too much of a thought. You are right. We would be giving up quite a lot to get Connor Bedard. And although he is that once in a generational talent, you know there is that risk that what if he becomes injury prone? We gave up all of that. You know what I mean? That would be. Quite honestly, that would be the most Columbus Blue Jackets move ever. Uh, we would give up <laughs> our entire future to get this highly sought-after individual player just to have him become injury-prone, just to have him fall very, very short of the goals right. that we, we don't needed. Need another Eric Lindros. Exactly. We do not need a repeat. Don't repeat the past, please. But we had a very, very packed show today. Just to recap what we went over to start, we went over the current standings in each division, then we moved on into the Stanley Cup playoff predictions and wild card picture took a dive into the pittsburgh penguins race to the wild card and columbus's continued failures and struggles we obviously went ahead and recapped the trade deadlines major trades as well as the penguins trades and the blue jackets trades and we finish it off talking about Connor bedard the draft the lottery overall gentlemen i'd say very successful show any final
1: remarks uh dan after what you said about the pittsburgh penguins i'm not sure if i want you guys to get bedard now <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's all it's all good fun we, we <laughs> hate each other all the same
1: absolutely, <laughs> absolutely.
0: But yeah i mean I, I had a great time on the show it's, it was nice to be back talking hockey um it's really nice to talk hockey even though i haven't really watched the blue jackets all that much this season I'm not any less excited about it. It's fun to, you know, be talking about it again. I'm getting a lot of my friends into it. Uh, like I said, last Friday, I just went to that uh, game at First Energy. Um, it ended up kind of being kind of almost a flop, as much as I hate to say it, because, you know, we got out there. It's 1 o'clock. It's going on one They're still hyping up the fans, you know, who wants a T-shirt and all that. And it was it, it just the sun was beating down we just knew that there was something going on and at one point all the players came onto the, the field to throw t-shirts and we we're like all right yeah it's definitely going to be delayed and so it was delayed a lot of fans ended up leaving and were disappointed but we ended up coming back had a really good time a lot of penguins fans around us but they made it really fun monsters ended up winning in overtime and very good fashion So even though it was very disorganized, it was very fun to see that get some of my friends into the game of hockey. And I'm just very excited to see what the playoffs bring and hopefully the Monsters can make a push. And, yeah, as far as the Blue Jackets go, their future is very bright. And I'm just looking forward to see what happens. So uh, thank you again for having me on. It's been a pleasure.
2: Of course, Dan, we miss having you up here. It was great to get you back on the show. We love having you. We love being able to talk hockey with you. I personally like having you on here, so we can out rival Casey up here. So it's not just a one-on-one jackets pens with yeah. you with you in the studio. It is a two-to-one, and we love to see it. But Dan, thank you as always for joining us. For me, of course, go Jackets, go Zips, and let's try to tank for Connor Bedard joining New me. Card for Bedard. Absolutely, joining me in the studio today was Casey Rush and
0: damn growing
2: and my name is patrick weber thank you for listening to this week's episode of hockey talk for more sbt content be sure to follow us on twitter at WZIP Sports. download our other podcast sbt rewind streaming on all major platforms and tune in to sports power talk every sunday right up here on 88.1 fm my name is patrick weber and this was hockey talk